Welcome to BizBytes, brought to you by Com Together, helping businesses like yours build their brand through telling amazing stories to engage and grow audiences on multiple platforms. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of BizBytes. And I have with me a great guest today, Liz, who's going to tell you tell us about uh, her business in just a moment. Except to say, there's some some name sharing that we've we discovered goes along the way, doesn't there? Isn't there, Liz? So, I'll, I'll, without further ado, I'll allow you to uh, to introduce yourself to our audience and your business as well. Thank you very much, Anthony. Yes, my business is called Better Business Decisions. Uh, Anthony found me when he found out my name. Um, I'm an unusual accountant. I'm a chartered accountant, but I have felt that the uh, the world of accounting is a bit broken these days. So my uh, better business decisions has all been about helping business owners to re-engage with their numbers and actually use those numbers to make better decisions. Um, too often today we see that the business owners are very anxious when it comes to things about numbers. Um, so I've made it my business to work out what's got in the way of business owners being able to actually understand their numbers. Um, and the things I've found are quite interesting. Um, and in fact, I'm putting a book together, which will be out later this year, and it has a new name, which is now Financial Rebellion. It's about rebelling against all those kind of assumptions about what accounting is. Yeah, I, I love the premise that you built, not just the book, but what you built the business on because uh, too often accountants are just accountants and um, too often there's an assumption that businesses know what they're doing. I've, I've likened this to other people as well. It's just it's just the same as, you know, because we've got a phone in our pocket that has a camera on it doesn't make us a photographer. So because yeah. we're a business and we're earning money doesn't make us you know, mean that we understand the numbers. Uh, so, so the, you know, I love that and I love the name of the book as well. So tell me a little bit more about, uh, tell me a little bit more firstly about, you know, where the, the journey of the book, because I'm interested in that. Um, how's that come about and, and where's that taking you as you, as you're, because you're in the throes of still finishing it off? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because, Books today are, um, you know, some people say it can be become your business card and things like that. But for me, the creating the book has been about trying to understand for myself the journey that I take the client on because I'm very proud of the fact that when clients come to me, they get very excited about working with me. They believe that they're going to be able to understand their financial information. <clears throat> it's quite a rapid transformation because we jump right into their data and as I start walking them through their data, they start to notice things that aren't quite right. And that's actually, that's the point where everything changes. That's the point where they start to recognise that they actually understand it better than an accountant in some ways because it's their stuff. They, After all, like they spent the money, they they sold the services, um, you know, this century we just stopped having the business owner engaged in how and where those numbers line up in, in the accounts. Business owners think that they need to 
categorize things based on that standard chart of accounts that's been around forever and they're never quite sure where to put things. And when I start to help them to understand that they can use their own words and put things in their own containers in the P&L, then that opens them to understanding, yep, this is the story of my business. I own this story and I can see when my bookkeeper or myself or my accountant's bookkeeper uh, is putting things in the wrong spot. And so my book has been about how do I take that one-to-one journey that I have in my financial mentoring and make it available for everyone? Because my my ultimate goal is to help millions of business owners actually re-engage with their financials. Uh, way back in the day, the average small business owner would have handwritten their books. They would have headed up their columns their way. They'd have passed all that over to the accountant. And from there, they would have produced, you know, a proper set of financial statements. But the business owner was in control of the pen and paper, the pencil and paper, um, and the decisions about how things should be categorised. So hopefully that's not too long-winded, Anthony. Does that no, make no, sense? No, no, no. I, I, I think it's fantastic because I, I, I totally sympathise with that with that scenario where, um, you know, it's, it's easy enough to say that everything is black and white, but few businesses are absolutely black and white in that area. And there's always um, the, the way that you understand things versus the way it might be written up in accounting terms can be com- two completely different things. And and I often find that that's, uh, um, you know, I, I, I get, for example, I often ask people for, because of the area that I'm in, what's your marketing budget? And mm-hmm. more often than not, people tell me it's zero. Um, which is in itself surprising. Uh, and But it's a lot to do with the categorization of what it is because people feel like I d- immediately people go, well, I don't spend any money on advertising. I went, well, first of all, advertising is debatable as to whether it's marketing, but it, it's a subdivision of marketing and it's certainly not all of marketing. Uh, and so there are lots of other things that we do in business all the time and there are opportunities that people are missing as well so you know little things like for example you wear a shirt to work every day you could get it branded yeah. and and that can, can provide some some um some opportunities there um, and i think that's become even more um uh more obvious to do at a time when people are sitting on Zoom. And so there's more of that feeling of of being on camera and doing those things. Uh, and whilst I'm, I'm sitting here talking to you and people can't see it, but uh, I'm not wearing a branded shirt today because I haven't bought the winter ones yet, but I certainly do have a whole bunch of summer ones. But but it's it's kind of understanding that there are things that can fit into into your own categories and 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 how that works and and there's a lot of things to explore and I think it's about pulling that apart as a business and and doing that and, as you say, make it more meaningful to the individual business rather than this need to fit into boxes, um, which time and time again we have that with because there's so much software and things that almost forces us to do that. Well, there's a little bit of artificial intelligence going on as well in the programs, Um suggesting to whoever the operator is where things should be categorised. The thing that worries me the most is it's almost like a tail wagging the dog thing. I know it's not strictly the tail wagging the dog scenario, but particularly in Australia, we 
we're letting the ATO tell us how to categorize our business things. So our the bookkeepers are, you know, they're well educated, they're authorized by the ATO to be BAS agents, but in that process, um, they're quite fearful of the ATO. So what I'm hearing anecdotally is that you know, the bookkeeper won't process a cost because there's no receipt attached when it's act you know the money was spent the business owner spent the money the business owner knows that it's a tax you know whether it's a tax deduction or not actually should be secondary to whether or not it gets processed we should be every cost of doing business belongs on the profit and loss statement whether the ato considers it to be a deduction or not is a separate conversation and what we're finding is that the the power of the business owner to to see their story in full is being eroded um it's it's crazy in the past generations of business you know um accountants built their businesses on serving business owners and now we seem to be serving the ATO and not serving the client. And so the client's a bit blind and doesn't understand it and, and they're overwhelmed, let's face it, there's so much to understand these days. Um, and we and yet we're pulling the rug out from underneath them to say, well, no, you don't know anything about your business and its expense categories. We know better. It's just not true. It, it, I find it one of the one of the interesting categorizations is is and I'm just using my own example is is often and it wouldn't just be the ATO. There's lots of standards that are used for this, and you get a drop down of the um, the area that your work that you do your work in. So, what industry are you in? Which is an interesting question because um, and, and accountants would have this too. So, a, as an accountant, are you in the accounting industry or are you servicing people in multiple industries? What I find what I find interesting is is marketing is often left out of the equation in those drop downs. You often have to tick other, which I find really weird. But then it is 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 what industry are you in? Well, I'm not in the marketing industry. I mean, I, I yes, I'm a marketer, but um, realistically, my clients are in a bunch of different industries, and so that's a really difficult one to to tick. And it shows kind of. You know, I don't think it has much much in the way of consequences, generally speaking, in, in what you're ticking it for. It's just for general information that people want, <laughs> but it's often false information uh, is 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 what you give it. And I, I find that 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 need to categorize things is there in so many different ways. Um, you know, uh, recruiters are famous for doing that as well, putting trying to put people in boxes uh, because yeah. it's just easier. Uh, so uh, you know, I love. And I love the idea that what you're doing is very similar to what I'm doing, but the financial version of it, which is telling stories, yeah. because that's where the power is, right? It's it's that what differentiates a business, and what you, the, the financials surely should not just be something that is uh, for the ATO to make a judgment call on. They should be telling the story of a business so that you can get more out of the business, you can sell the business, and any other things that you might want to do with it. Yeah, absolutely, and and this it is. I say now, I'm getting bolder and bolder. You can imagine as a chartered accountant where we're, you know, ethically trained and back in the day we weren't even allowed to market or advertise, you weren't allowed to hold yourself out to be better than anybody else. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm getting more and more bold about what I say. And now I say accounting is not maths. It's storytelling. Mm. 
And so for people who are fearful of maths and are being told they don't understand numbers and everything, that, that's such a relief to hear. And then it gives, you know, it's the story is told. If you ignore the numbers for a little while, let's just focus on, on what that story is telling you, what areas of what kind of sales you've made, you know, can can those sales be split between some different areas so that you can actually quickly see each time you look at your financials whether um, it was for product A, B or C or area of marketing A, B or C. Um, and then moving on through to all the different expense categories and so on. But at the end of the day, a lot of business owners are really anxious about those numbers. And when we tell them it's story, that anxiety starts to dissolve. And that's really important because when you're in an anxious state, which we better understand these days, um, you know, parts of your brain actually shut down. You, you actually physically can't understand it. Um, so there's a number of things preventing a business owner from understanding financial information. Firstly, there's that anxiety of, oh, holy hell, I don't understand this. And then there's sort of like the literacy thing. And, and I'm interested in literacy as well because one of my, well, all three of my sons, but my youngest has it the worst, has something called Erlen syndrome, which is it's a processing disorder. And for him, when he reads a page of writing, the page moves around. They call it seesaw imaging. So that you know the the words move around on the page. It's crazy. Um, so when I apply, like his, he, you know, he's functionally literate. He's he's twenty five now, and I'm very proud of him. He's been he was um, focused on things that were not all about reading and writing and everything. He mm. became Australian champion tumbler. Uh, and now he's doing um, a mature age apprenticeship. He's already bought a house. Um, all these things from someone who's, you know, functionally literate where we, we're holding out that we need to have a higher level of literacy to get into uni and everything else. His experience also helps me to really focus in on, okay, well, how much literacy do we need and how much literacy of accounting do we need? We actually just need to be able to understand that it is a story and that there are some numbers with it. But the more often you read the story, the more often you understand the plot of what's going on in your business, if you like, the more you can tweak it to make more money or more time or more better lifestyle. Um, you know, business ownership is a it's a huge responsibility in a lot of ways, but it's also a huge opportunity. Um, and when you ignore the financial side of it, you can get yourself into all sorts of strife. That's the last thing I want for, you know, the business owners that are the backbone of our country. It's We want them to understand their numbers. Well, not their numbers. We want them to understand the story of their business. Yeah, and I think it is it is such an important thing and it's often, um, it's context is so important as well, uh, you know, and that comes into the marketing of the business as well. So if you understand the financials, being able to market it is, is there, uh, you know, giving it's people's perception of, of, what they will pay for something is part of yeah. the story of the financials and it's part of the story of what's going on, you know, everywhere else as well. So those sort of things can really completely impact people. You know, the, 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 the story of what you can charge today versus the story of what you could have charged 10 years ago for exactly the same thing are vastly different because of the context of everything else that's going on in the world. Yeah. whether it's right or wrong but that there is that there is that reality 
And uh, so I, I think that that's such an important important area and you and you're so right that the system I think is is broken and we could probably talk for hours about the education system and how it doesn't doesn't really cater for a lot of people (laughs) and it 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 fascinates me how consistently year after year decade after decade everyone walks away and says gee if only we were understood more about you know how taxes work and how to do budgets and home shopping and everything and we all say that, and I've heard my parents say it. I've, you know, we've said it. I've, I'm sure my children will say it. Uh, they have said it, and uh, you know, post school, and yet nobody's doing anything about it. Like it's just this. It's it's really quite um, alarming that it's not being fixed in the education system. So, you know, uh, unfortunately, you and I can't change the education system, but we can change the stories that people are are hearing. And I love that. That's what you're what you're doing. Uh, and and that the impact that it can make on an individual is so significant. Mm. I think um, I when they said when you say they're not doing anything about that in the education system, there is something that came out. I remember Paul Clitheroe um, launching Money Smart, which is there's a website Money Smart, and they do do some financial education for in the schools. And in fact, yeah, funnily enough, my son was um, the son that bought a house, um, was part of that process. So it is interesting. It does flow through. So, you know, um, he learned enough from that process. And I do recommend that website because it it is a place to get more of the truth about financial things than because we live in a content marketing um, yeah. world that disrupts our thinking uh, and encourages us to buy things, which is okay. Like we're all, you know, we're all in the marketing world together. <laughs> but um, but sometimes we have to go and check out the truth. So from in a financial point of view, that Money Smart website is great, but it's not so much about business. So, you know, I'm hoping to have something similar where we can assist business owners in a jargonless kind of space uh, to you know, to really lean into their stories. Well, speaking of stories, I wanted to explore your story a little bit more. So, so talk to me about um, about your journey in your in your career. Was uh, did you go straight into accounting? You know, straight after school and a university was that always the the goal? I certainly did go straight in after school. So, um, there's an interesting journey. Um, I'm. In my mid-50s, mid to late 50s, <laughs> I don't feel any older than 25, but I've been <laughs> spent a long time in the industry. Um, I grew up in a time and an area of Sydney where you kind of thought anything was possible. So um, I did have a goal to go to university. Um, you know, serendipity put a few different things in my way I discovered my careers advisor suggested I might be good in management probably because I organized the school formals and stuff like that and <laughs> like a bit social um but I was really good at maths and economics and stuff anyway one thing and another led me to discover that there was such a thing as a cadetship you could do with the large chartered accounting firms in Sydney um so I actually applied for the, some of those um and got offered a few. I was very fortunate. Um, so I took um, 
a cadetship with Arthur Young. They were at the time. They're now Ernst and Young um, in the Chatswood office of their their program. And I went to university at night. That was how you did it then. You did a two plus two kind of scenario where you did your two years of nighttime university and then went to uni full time because you were then eligible to get TIS, it was called back then, tertiary allowance. Um, yeah, so I did that four years, um, but it, it was a really good grounding because it was audit, but it wasn't huge companies. They were big, but they were small enough that I did a number of them, whereas some of my colleagues that went to the city firms were stuck on, you know, like one audit for the whole two years. Um, mm. I had the, yeah, I was fortunate to audit like a bronze foundry, um, AMF sporting goods, um, Texas Instruments. So back in the 80s, you can imagine that yep. was pretty interesting. Yes. Um, yeah, all sorts of stuff. So then um, then I did the uni full time, but my dad, my father had a business um, in satellite television, which was quite, you know, cutting edge at the time. Um and so I did a lot of work on, on his business, which gave me some some grounding as to things to understand. Um, and then once I'd fully graduated from uni, I explored other businesses. I worked briefly for Dewsbury's. Um, I got offered a job, which sometimes I wish I had taken, with um, Coopers and Lybrown to develop their cash book software. Wow, okay. But... Um, another employer who was offering me a job at the same time suggested that it wasn't a good time to, it was too early to uh, specialise was his his suggestion. Right. <laughs> but um, never so no I idea. Took a job with him in the Chatswood suburban firm. Um, and it was in the days when interest rates were like 18% or something like that. So as the main breadwinner, um, my husband and I met very young. He was a tradie. Um, I thought you could roll reverse quite easily. I'd be the breadwinner. He'd be whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, we decided to move to the country. So long story short, we've lived up here in Wingham for over 30 years. And that brought me to, you know, a country firm looking after farmers and things like that. But the big uh, shift in my career came when, my eldest son, my only son at the time, uh, who was two and a half, he got leukaemia. And so we were looking down the barrel of two years of chemotherapy in Sydney and up here and different things. And I thought, oh, I don't think I can support my client base very well and I need to do something different. So one thing and another, I went to work for a client of mine who ran Apple stores or the equivalent of what were Apple stores back then. Uh-huh. And was the accountant for five Apple stores for five years. Talk about baptism of fire. Talk about finding out that accountants don't really know what goes on behind the scenes of their clients. Um, it was that aha moment where it's like, oh, actually the business owners don't really know as much as I thought they knew. Um, and yet I can, I can help a lot. So I think that was it was great to have that grounding. I was selling and supporting attache software, mid-range software at the time, um, and so experiencing the insides of, of a lot of businesses. And then the DST came in um, and the local practice approached me to come back into public practice. So I did that for 11 years. Um, but as like as the 10 years was up, things were starting to change. We saw Myob come in. Zero wasn't in yet. 
but we were starting to see the dilution of the one-to-one time that accountants were having with their clients. Instead of, instead of that time of really working together on things, we were starting to experience the sort of garbage sorting, I call it, of unraveling the mess that do-it-yourself accounting started to bring in. Um, at the same time, other things were happening in the industry. So I was a, I had joined the um, self-managed super fund professionals, SPA it was called at the time, um, I was doing a lot of super funds with the practice and then the financial services legislation started to come in and the um, um, qualifications required to be a financial planner started to come in and accountants started to be told, no, you can't advise on superannuation anymore. You, unless you go and do more training, you can't offer the holistic support that we had been used to offering so I could see the industry was sort of crumbling. The other thing that happened around the same time was that the ATO changed the onus of not proof so much, but did change legislation in a way that um, tax agents could become liable if their clients did the wrong thing. So I thought there had to be something better to do with my um, with my skill set. So I went away and started building this, I guess, business consulting. And then um, in more recent times, um, particularly the last six years since I first did some study with the entourage and started to recognise there was this real gap uh, between the business owner and the numbers. So that's why I've been developing the better business decisions and the financial rebellion because there are millions of business owners out there that need more help than what we've given them, uh, what we're giving them at at present in accounting. Yeah, that was look, a long story, wasn't it? Sorry. No, I, I love I love the story, and I and I think it tells so much that when you hear people's journeys, it really gives you a, a great understanding of their experiences and why you might want to work with them, and understanding that you know you being able to write this book is based on a heck of a lot of experience, and uh, you know that has put you in a in your own unique position to be able to do that. And I I, I think it's it, I'm looking forward to it coming out. I, I I know we'll talk again when it does when it does come out. Uh just to finish things up because I know we could keep talking uh for a long time still to come as we, we did already previously uh when we before we were recording. But um I wanted to ask you uh, a question about an aha moment that your clients tend to have. And I guess it's part of the inspiration why you're having the book as well is, 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 is there a moment that you wish that I guess more people will understand in advance that they're going to get to when they work with you? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, a couple of components. Um, most people don't believe that they could possibly come to enjoy working with their numbers. I think that's, you know, I really, I really do want to put the joy back into it. Um, mostly, when people work with me, they very quickly do see that story, um, and they get the aha moment. Like I tend to, it's like riding a bicycle or th- teaching kids to ride a bike, which I loved to do when I was a younger person as well. But when someone holds the seat for you while you 
while you find your balance. <clears throat> and then if, if you've done well, eventually they don't know that they're riding by themselves because you've let go of the seat and they're riding. And then they might look back and see that you're not behind them anymore. I think it's that type of aha moment that fills me with um, contentment almost that they do go, they just recognise quite quickly they can understand it. But I tend in the financial mentoring role, so we tend to work together once a week for a little while, then once a fortnight and then out to once a month. But I can often continue along to just check in with them and make sure that everything's okay and that, that there isn't something new that they want to talk about. I mean, it's very foundational what the book is about and what I want to do is about laying that foundation so they can understand and, and then once you can understand, there is just so much you can do, so much more that can be done, um, improving systems, minimising your tax, um, reframing things, understanding better your cost of sales and your margins, and there's just so much you can do. But the aha, I guess the most important aha, is that any business owner can understand their financials when they see them as the story of their business because really they're just, you know, a a reflection, a, um, a very careful summary of exactly what's been going on in the business. And, and we want to make sure that they're not being stolen from and there's all sorts of things we do cover. But the aha is I can understand this. I love that. And, and I think it's such an important um such an important idea and and one that I think more businesses need to appreciate and I'm sure as the book comes out that it's going to uh, attract more people to understanding that. Thank you, Liz, for being an amazing guest and, and sharing so much of your story and, and the stories of those that you've worked with. I really do appreciate it. And uh, Thank you, Anthony. It's been with you. And also, everyone, thank you for being part of the BizBytes program and we look forward to bringing you the next episode very, very soon. BizBytes is brought to you by ComTogether for all your marketing needs so you can build your brand, engage audiences on multiple platforms. Go to comtogether.com.au, follow the links to book an appointment for a free consultation.